Well, here we go, church. How you doing this morning? You having a good time? I'm having a great, great time. Thank you so much for being here. I, get a, I have the opportunity today to kick off a brand new series, Did God Really Say? Did God really say? This is going to be a really fun couple of weeks. How many of y'all can say amen? Amen. How many of you are not real sure? Come on, there we go. Just recently, my wife, uh, Natalie, and I, we had a tennis match at Riverview Park in Oakmont. We grabbed our stuff from our car, we headed into the park, and we came across this sign. This sign right here, welcome to Riverside Park. What was so interesting here is all of the things that you can't do at Riverside Park. They were very, very, um, they were very, very clear on all the things that you're not permitted to do. Unfortunately, when most people come to church, this is the way they view church. Hey, welcome to church. And these are all the things that you can't do. And now, now many of us look at it that way. But unfortunately, it doesn't depict all the things that you can do there because you can't. I mean, there's a track, there's basketball, there's tennis, there's playgrounds for the kids, two baseball fields, pavilions. There's all these things. But when you encounter this, it's all the things that you can't do. And I really like that the bottom right, there's an open space just in case we think of one more thing you can't do. (laughs) Just in case we want to leave room for that. Now, some of these things that it states that you can't do really are, I think, pretty good. Like not using the park for target practice shooting a weapon, I think is really good. See, not all the things that you say you can't do aren't really things that you really shouldn't do. But unfortunately, in the body of Christ and in Christendom, in our culture and society, we get so focused on sometimes the things that you can't do, we don't focus on what you can do, and we miss the purpose of the park. We miss the purpose of the church. And what we want to try to help you do over the next several weeks is understand some things. What did God really say? What does, what's in this book? What's clearly in the book? And what's clearly my ideas, and we need to separate the two. When we do, we can come to this big idea. Here's the big idea. Here it is. Here it is. Beliefs produce behavior. Now listen, I know many of you are saying here, say, wow, pastor, that's not real deep. I get that. But we need to understand that your belief system produces your behavior, And a lot of times we're trying to correct behavior, but we're not looking at the belief system. So this is what we're going to do. In the month of August, we're going to talk a lot about beliefs. What do you believe? What do we believe that the Bible clearly stated? Did God really say? And then in next month, we're going to look at our behaviors, our core values, our mission, what we do as a church in response to our belief system. Because your belief produces behavior. That's the way it works here. So here's the, here's the two verses we're going to launch from. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And what we're going to do today is we're all going to read these two verses out Loud. So all together, you're all going to help me here. Y'all ready? Y'all zoned in there? There we go. Here we go. All.
Now, how many of y'all believe that? I know you're in church, and that's a, two Bible verses. Y'all believe that, right? Come on, this is the big ideal here. So we want to unwrap these verses here. And, and, and first of all, I just want to let you know that all Scripture, inspired by God, but it's useful to teach us what's right and what's wrong. It teaches us what to do, and then when we're not doing something, what's wrong with that? And it equips us. So the Bible is our, determ our determining factor in what's wrong and right how we should act and how we should not act. This word supersedes every other thing here. So can the Bible be trusted? Is it reliable? Can it be trusted? And what behavior should it produce? Because there's a behavior. Jesus, Jesus taught for action. Listen, I, I think we need to understand. Jesus didn't teach... He didn't teach to impress people. Because if he did, he was pretty bad because most of the time he ended up with a lot less people than he had to be in with. So Jesus didn't teach to impress people. He taught to impart something to them. So is the Bible reliable? How can, how can we know that here? Did God really say? See, did God really say, this is... That this is the, the plan of the enemy, the devil. There's a real devil. He hates you and he hates the church. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the Old Testament, one of the major things that happened there, the test to Adam and Eve was, did God really say? Did God really say? First book in the New Testament, fourth chapter in Matthew the temptation to Jesus, did God really say? See, this, this is an age-old thing we're going through right now. In, in our culture and in our society right now, this is what's going on. Did God really say? And we're trying to figure out what really God what is, what did he say, and what did he not say, and what's the tension between the two? We live in a post-Christian, post-modern, biblically illiterate society right now. We really do. If there was ever a time we needed to figure out what God said, it is now. We have more racial tension. We have more political polarity. We have more issues that we're facing, uh, we have religious confusion, and we have more division in Jesus' church, Big C Church, than ever before. We need to figure out what's going on here. We, 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 gotta, we, gotta, we gotta dig down and say, okay, God, what really is here? And what are we going to do? Because we don't live in an information age anymore. We live in an argument age. We're living in an argument age where everything's an argument in a social media post. Rather than a, con a conversation in a let's open the word of God and let's figure out what it communicates clearly. So I am not sharing with you today for the sake of social media I'm sharing with you today for the sake of your lives, the life of Jesus' church, and our country. Because there is a lot at stake right now. 
I'm telling you, I never, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound old. You know how you know you're getting old? Because you don't care if you sound old. Anybody with me? You're like, I'm good with it. I come to terms, right? I mean, it's like, it's like I tell stories over and over. and It's like, I kind of like it. You know what I mean? It's like, I like it now. I like, kind of like this. But listen, we, we're living in an age where there's so much confusion, there's so much tension. I never dreamed we would have to be talking about some of the things we have to talk about right now. But we have to, and we, and, we, and we have to look at the word of God and say, okay, what are we gonna do with this? How are we gonna do this? So, so let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter three here. And, and I wanna give you context for 2 Timothy three. Uh, we read verses 16 and 17, and there's this really cool thing that happens in the Bible when there's a verse 16 and 17. There's verses one through 15 that come before them. Yeah, verse one, I'm not gonna read them all to you, but I want you to catch this. Verse one in, the, in this chapter, the apostle Paul, and remember, he's writing his last words to his son in the faith, Timothy. He's, his last words, he's like, Timothy, you gotta get this. Timothy, please remember. Come on, how many of y'all know like your last words, even when parents, when your last words to your kids when you're leaving the house and they're alone, they're very important. Don't open the door for anybody. Don't light, you know, do not use the oven. You know, you know, come on. These are last words here. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, you got to get this. And so the first verse is difficult times will come. Perilous times. Very difficult times. How many of you would agree that we live in very difficult times? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. We're living in crazy times. And then verses two through nine, it's communicating what people will be like. Here's some of the things that people will be like that's listed. There will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Am I? <laughs> Come on. So, okay. Then in verses 10 through 15, how will we respond as followers of Jesus Christ? First of all, and then I'm, I'm going to summarize, just behavior will produce, beliefs will produce your behavior. So look at what you believe. Persecution will come. No, the Apostle Paul said, if, you, if, you, if you're going to stay faithful to the word of God, you're going to get pushback. You will get pushback. It's going to happen. Okay, like, like these are... Like then he gives those two verses all scripture. It's, it's the paramount, it's the cornerstone. Now all scripture is inspired by God. So you've got to get this. See, many people say like, you know, pastor, I'm just not into theology and doctrine. I love Jesus. Jesus is great. I love Jesus. Just don't, don't talk to me about the Bible. <laughs> kind of can't do that. I really can't. And many people are creating Jesus into their image rather than being created into his. 
And see, I, and so we have to understand this book, the Word of God, if we're going to understand Jesus. And many people are trying to separate the two. And in reality, I'm going to give you my term, they're becoming nicer than Jesus. And we have a whole culture right now that's way nicer than Jesus. No, I'm serious. They really are. I don't want to be nicer than Jesus. Well, God is love. I had somebody just the other day. I'm talking to him, and they just went off this God's in all of us and God's with all of us. And I'm like, no, man, I don't see him in you. No. I'm like, I'm serious. Like, like I, no, I'm being honest. I'm being honest because like, like what you're saying, and we went on to have a conversation, and I'm like, not all roads lead to heaven. Not all roads go there, and you're just saying God's in all of us, and there's this metaphysical healing in all of us, and I'm like, no, no. I didn't argue. I didn't spit, didn't holler, just said, no. That's why I said, no. No. Sorry. No, Jesus is a separator. The word of God's a separator. Yeah, stumbling block. Yeah. See, if you haven't tripped over him, you will. Yeah, it'll happen. It does. And so we, we, we find these verses. So let's, let's, let's go back and unpack here. All scripture, scripture, scripture. Um, holy writ. It's a graph. It's a graphic. It's a biography an autograph, it's pointing to the divine creator. It's the idea that everything is the, is the voice of God. That's scripture. We use this term scripture. That, that means holy writ. It, 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 it's holy, it's set apart. It's, it's God's biography, it's his autograph. It's inspired by God, two Greek words put together that says God and to breathe. God breathes upon this word. God breathes on it. God breathes into it. And it's a living book. See, this book is living. It's not only a book of history, because it does contain history, but it's a book that God has breathed upon and God has inspired. So just, just um, a couple weeks ago, I'm done with a tennis match and a guy comes over and says, hey, preacher, now that's code for, I'm gonna try to trip you up been around a while. says, hey, preacher, are all the words in the Bible God's words? Words plural. Trick question. What he was trying to do after I, I asked some clarifying questions, he was trying to get me to say that every word in here God dictated and only people wrote exactly what he said which I don't believe, I believe he's inspired, but allowed people's personal experiences and personalities to come out in the writing. You see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Their personal view came out. Matthew, tax collector, a lot of genealogy. Luke, a physician, a lot of healing, you know, a, a lot of those things. Um, who have I, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John, the one he loved. I'm sorry, I got like, good, I'm running ahead. John, the one he loved, a lot of Jesus in, in his love. And Mark, 
written for those with ADD. Real short stories. Come on. Short stories move quite a lot. Move right along. Let's move right along here. You know, come on. How many of y'all like Mark already? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, see, so, so that's just an example that it was inspired by God through witnesses, eyewitnesses, remember that, and so that it was inspired by God, it was breathed on by God, it was directed by God, and it's a living book. And in, in, in Jesus, in John uh, 6, 63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes, Nothing. what does human effort accomplish? Nothing. Oh, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Yeah, life. See, there's a life that the Bible has. There's a living, breathing life that it inspires. It's a living book in Isaiah 55. It says that everything that God intended will come to pass. Yeah. Even in the midst of a crazy, perilous, very difficult time, God has a plan. Yeah. And guess what his plan is? You, you right here, look around. <laughs> look around, you say, God is a big God. Come on, somebody. Yeah, he's a big God because he's gonna use us. He, God has more faith than we do. Come on, right? He does, but this is, this is who he wants to use here. But see, the problem is most of us believe most of the Bible, but not all of the Bible. Most Christians Believe most of it, but not all of it. Most believe that, it, yeah, it has some good stuff and good teachings in it, but it's not really the absolute truth. It's not the reliable, trustworthy truth of God that we can build our lives on and brings freedom and hope and life, not only to me and to you, but to a culture and society. Because right now we're experiencing a culture and society that is devoid and absent of biblical truth. And it's drying up and getting nasty. And we can either curse the darkness or we can become the light. And I want us to become the light. That's what I want. And um, so what about these human authors? All these human people, aren't they fallen just like us? How about 40 different authors of diverse backgrounds spanning over 1,500 years? There's prophets, princes, Priest, fishermen, tax collectors, shepherds, physician, and, and once people that actually had Christians cru you know, crucified and killed because of their faith. The reliability of the Bible is one of the most reliable manuscripts handed down in all of history. Yeah, it really is. If you look at the history of how it got written and handed down by eyewitnesses all throughout time and history, it is one of the most reliable books. You, you couldn't get 40 people, you probably couldn't get three people to write over a span of 1,500 years all one concrete book that overlapped and confirmed one another. The Bible itself communicates that it can be trusted. Now, am I saying we don't wrestle with difficult things? Absolutely we do. And have I been tempted to rip some pages out of my Bible once or twice? Yeah, but I don't. I can't. I'm not the final truth. God's the final truth. 
And we need to understand what that means. This is so, so important. There were eyewitness accounts to the word of God. So what does this do? It, it, this, is, this is a sticking point for many, but it guides us. It leads us. It, it, it forms our it, 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 it forms like a, a worldview. It forms everything about us. Are you tracking me? Yeah. Yeah. You, you see, because many people say, and I have people say this to me, you can't talk about certain issues. I, I've been getting a lot of conversations recently. You can't talk about certain issues because they're political. You can't talk about abortion. That's political. You can't talk about race. That's political. Yeah, that's what I say. No. No, I'm serious. This is what happens. And it's like the world and our culture and society wants to shut us up and keep quiet and stay in church rather than become the salt and light that he's created us to be. And, and we're going to have to wrestle with difficult issues. See, when you became a follower of Jesus in biblical times, you accepted a whole new worldview. You didn't accept Jesus' nice teaching because God is love. I'm going to tell you, if one more person just tells me, hey, who's God to you? He's just love. I mean, he is love. I mean, he defines love. I'm not saying he's not, but let's not stop there. Let's start there because the love of God and the kindness of God leads me to repentance, which leads to a changed life, which leads to a different direction, which leads me to a conflict between how I think and God thinks. But we must get better at what did God really say? What did he say? And so it creates this worldview. Now, I'm just going to tell you this right now. I'm going to stop right now and say this book has changed my life. Changed my life. Um, this next week, this coming Saturday, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate um, 41 years of being a Christ follower. And um, has it been easy? No. But I can tell you what he's done for me. This book has it's made me a better man. That's right, man. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better father. It's made me a better employee. It's made me a better friend. It's made me a better citizen. This book has given me a peace in the midst of most horrible times in my life. But it's given me peace. This book has protected me. Because when I live according to it, God protects me. Even sometimes when I don't deserve it, God still protects me. And it's even provided for me. This book has provided for me. In all the years of giving and giving sacrificially, whether it's financially or giving of my time and my talent, I've never gone without a meal. There's been times it's been close. And I'm serious on that. I'm not lying with that. I'm not just, oh, no, I didn't have what I wanted, like nothing. But you know what? God has met me every time. This book does that. It's living and active. 
and it's breathing, and it will change us if we allow God to use it to change us. That's what this book has done for me. And that's what I wanted to do for you. I learned at a very young age what it means to have a, a worldview. I'm going to give you a definition of a worldview. You may have a better one. Go for it. It's a mental framework by which we perceive and understand our current reality. It is the intellectual, moral, emotional, and spiritual filter by which a person sees and responds to the world. Just track that. Just, tra just track that a little bit. It's a filter. We all have a worldview. Whether you realize it or not, you have a filter by which what happens in the world is filtered through in your life. Everybody has one. But a biblical worldview is an overarching worldview of the world based on God's revealed truth, the Bible, which directs our life in the world. So really, there's a war going on here. There's a war because of my, my, my worldview and the biblical worldview. You see, we, we get our worldview um, between like 18 months and 13 years of age. You, get, you, you obtain your worldview. And then you, in your teens, you test your worldview. And in your 20s, you become an evangelist for your worldview. What we simply have right now is a lot of younger people becoming evangelists for their worldview. So yelling louder and screaming louder is not going to solve the problem. Because if screaming would solve the problem, we would have solved it a long time ago. What we have is a clash of worldviews. We have a clash between the biblical worldview, the Bible, and then we have the culture and society worldview, their filter, are coming into conflict here. Is this helping you today? And so when you see this, we see what's at stake is, is the Bible reliable, trustworthy, can it be trusted, and can we build our lives on it? This is what's at war right now. Absolute truth and relativism. Absolute truth is true for everyone, everywhere, and it has the final say. I believe that the Bible contains absolute truth. I believe that. Relativism means you get the final say. That means you get to be God. How many of you ever here have ever tried being God? How many of you realize you don't make a good God? Anybody come to that conclusion? Thank you. I see those hands. Come on, I see those hands. That's experience talking. I'm being honest. Because just how I feel about something doesn't make it true. I can feel certain ways. But it doesn't make it true. Listen, this is why worldviews constructed by media, public policy, and parenting. Parents, got to get it right. telling you, 
the best investments we made with our kids was sending them to worldview camps, biblical worldview camps. Best investment. Way better than any soccer tournament. Way better than the latest, coolest shoes. If any of my kids were here, they would tell you they never wore those. I think they're better off as a result. I'm being honest. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm just being honest. The world, getting our kids to understand worldview. And right now in our church, in, in, in Bridge City Church Murraysville right now, we're in need of 10 people that can impart to our young people right now. We're, we're in need of 10 ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm praying for men and women to impart to our, our young kids that are in um, what we call Bridge City Kids. I'm praying for 10 people that are full of character, integrity, have a calling, they love kids, and they want to plant seeds that will grow mighty oaks. If you want to make an eternal difference and you want to make a long-term difference, then come and be a part of the ministry. But we need to treat it with as much seriousness as I treat the word of God right here. Because they're forming a worldview right now and parents need help. And we want to help parents. We don't do the job for parents, we want to help but we got to get this right. Um, let me throw out an opportunity. Um, it's coming up Tuesday night this week. Um, somebody's going to be uh, talking about uh, critical race theory. It, have you heard the buzzword? Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. I mean, this is like everywhere. School boards are going crazy. They're, I mean, it, it's like, it's all over our country right now. So what is it? And what does the Bible say about it? Well, you're going to have an opportunity to get a biblical perspective on it. Parents, I'm urging you, if you both can't go, just one of you go, somebody go, get a biblical perspective on what is it. What is critical race theory? What, is, what are these things? I'm not going to define it for you right now. We're going to come back in future weeks and define some things, but I just want to give you an opportunity because it's this week. So anybody can go. It's, it's free. I'm, I'm begging you to get there. Because we need to get educated on what does God really say, what did God not really say, and how are we going to do this deal. Let's talk about beliefs and behavior again. Let's talk about a, Barna does a lot of surveys, very statistically uh, they, they do surveys all over the country. They find trends in our culture. It's been around for decades. I find it to be a very reliable source. Listen to the couple of these surveys here. Seven out of 10 Americans say they are Christian. Five out of 10 think they have a biblical worldview. Three out of 10 are actually born again. That means they've come to a place where Jesus Christ is is the forgiver of their past and the leader to their future, and they have a personal relationship with God. But get this last one. Only 10%, actually it's less than 10% now. The latest surveys are 9%. 9% of people that that even call themselves a Christian, listen to that, have a biblical worldview. Houston, we have a problem. We 
We've got to solve this problem. Amen. What did God really say? Now, I want this to sink in. I very rarely use statistics because it's like, like what's more boring than a pastor? A pastor with statistics. I mean, I get it. You know, it's like, but this gets my attention. That means people, and this is why we're having so much disunity and dysfunction and division in the church, because we can't agree on simple things that are clearly biblical, and we're not having a way to discern them and a way to look at them. Beyond a political affiliation. I have people tell me, well, you're just saying that because you're a conservative. No, I'm saying it because I'm a, I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a difference. As a follower of Jesus, this is why I believe this. And I can't change this. It's going to take a generation or two to correct where we are. That's why we got to invest in another generation, church. Because most of you have already got your worldview set. You believe what you believe, you're going to do what you're going to do. What's at stake is our culture and our society and our country, let alone Jesus' church. What constitutes a biblical worldview? I'm going to summarize them. You can see up to 10 things. You can see eight different things have 11. I, I, I combined a couple of these. So what constitutes a biblical worldview? The reliability and authority of the scripture. Many people in this room right now, you're going to have to come to a determination, the reliability and the authority of scripture. Do you know, when I, I speak to young people about issues, about homosexuality, abortion, all these things, I always start off with, especially in a church setting, is the Bible the Bible or are you the final say? I start off all the time. Those of you that hear me, I say, okay, we're gonna, we need to determine, is the Bible the Bible or are you gonna be the final say? Because if you wanna be the final say, I mean, we can talk and we can share, but we're not gonna get anywhere. And as soon as I get them all to say, the Bible's the Bible, I go, okay, now let's have a conversation. And usually it's fun. Well, usually it doesn't start fun, but it ends there. So God's role in creation. Creation, evolution. You got, we got, these are the things I'm challenging you on. What do you really believe about these? Let's go to the next couple here. Um, uh, there we go. Holiness, the sinlessness of Jesus. His divinity and Humanity, who's Jesus? The existence of Satan. Do you realize that a majority of Christians don't believe that there's a real devil? No, I'm serious. I talk to people all the time. They don't believe in a real devil. They believe it's a symbol of evil. And we wonder why we're losing the war. And then the existence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Is it just a symbol or is the Holy Spirit real? And again, I'm gonna sound old and I like it. I, I, 
we got to defend that the rule of the Holy Spirit's real. I'm telling you, um, we have to. Now, again, like these, these six things, they all unwrap worldview. And they unwrap our biblical worldview. And I'm challenging you today. This is it. I'm challenging your thought process. Do you really believe in a biblical worldview? Is the scripture really the inspired word of God that can be trusted? And I gave you some stats to be trusted. We're going to give you more of them in, in weeks to come. And can we trust it? Things like socialism versus capitalism. It's biblical worldview. I'm not taking pot shots here, so don't hear it that way. I'm just a really simple guy. Nobody's trying to get into Cuba and Venezuela right now. Why? I'm just challenging thought processes. Ask the right questions or you're not going to get the right answers. Don't tell me it's political. It's spiritual. It's a doctrine. Homosexuality. Abortion. Racial issues. The answer is all here. Live together or get married. It's not political. It doesn't have anything to do with your insurance. It'll affect your insurance. But it's here. Homosexual marriage. Immigration. Transgender. Did God really say? And why? Are these all just a bunch of no's? Or is it welcome to the freedom that he can provide? I'm not going to become a raving lunatic and post things. And I'm just not going to be that person. I want to have conversations based on what did God really say and what didn't he say. Let's figure it out together. Last but not least, <laughs> Vaccinations. got to come back if you want to hear all these. So I'm challenging you. Do you have a biblical worldview? Do you know what else I believe? How we're going to, how we're going to win? I'm just telling you, we're going to win. Not because of my political association. No, no, no. I'm, we're going to win because the Bible works. This book works. When you live according to it, it works. Yep. And we're inviting you for a journey to see it work in all of us together. And I want to thank you for being so receptive because a lot of things I just said this morning, if I'd say them in certain places, man, they would be, they'd be standing up to turning around. They'd be facing the other direction. They would. And it'd be the very people that deny 
Satan's existence would become him. <laughs> Just a thought. I want to read to you one more thing. In Revelation chapter 12, and this gives validity to me. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God. Let's be kingdom people. Can we be kingdom people? No, really, can we? And the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, I talked about the accuser, did God really say, that's the accuser, has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. There's somebody accusing us day and night. And we gotta get this right, you with me? And, 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 and here it is. And they defeated him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb. That's what we celebrated in communion today. The blood of the lamb. The victory of Jesus. Here it is, but it gets even better. And by their testimony, by your eyewitness account of what God has done inside of you. That's the testimony. That's the witness. Yeah. He's done something in me. He's protected me from even me. Because I need protected from me. And they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Now, I get, let me be honest. Some of us in this room right now, we, there's, I would venture, none of us in this room right now are really faced with real persecution, like you're gonna give your life for the gospel. Yeah, yet. No, I'm serious, none of us, that, how many times this past week did you wake up and say, I wonder if I'm gonna die for Jesus today? Nobody, nobody, because we, we live in a good old USA. But this is it. The gospel of Jesus Christ in the first century produced some of the most marvelous and awesome martyrs ever because they were willing to die for this message of did God really say in the word of God? And, and I'm not asking you, are you willing to give your physical life? But how about we just start here? Are you willing to deny yourself? and give up your relativism and your way to view things and you being always right so that we can cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That we're not going to love our lives. And so many of us in here, I'm being honest, we just love ourselves. That's the problem. And we gotta love Jesus more. Because anything that comes in the way of Jesus is idolatry. It's, it becomes the thing you worship. And your past becomes idolatry. Your success becomes idolatry. Your paycheck becomes idolatry. Your relativism becomes idolatry. Your, your political affiliation becomes idolatry. I watch it happen even here. I'm not talking to the world right now. I'm talking to those who can hear my voice. And are we willing to put that all aside and say we will be the people of God? And will you respond to say every biblical world, every bit of my worldview that needs to change, God change it. If you're willing to just even in your heart and in your life ask that question, just stand to your feet. I'm not telling you the answer. You say, okay, God, 
God, I don't want to love my life unto myself. So God, I just pray for every person right now, God. We are here today with arms up, Lord God, and surrendered to you, Father. And we are here today, God, just to say we really desperately need you, God, on behalf of our, our country, on behalf of, uh, of, the, of your church, on behalf of your people, on behalf of your kingdom, Lord. God, we surrender to you, Lord. And God, challenge us in what you really say and what you haven't said. And teach us when to speak and when to be quiet, God. Please, God, we need your help. There's times we need to be quiet. There's times we need to speak. And only with you can we, can we learn the two. God, help us, God. So God, help us be your people. In Jesus' name. And as you're still standing, just in this moment, I got to ask you a serious question. I got to ask you, have... Not just have you acknowledged God or you believe in God, but have you transferred the trust of your life to Jesus Christ? Do you have a day, a moment, or a time when you became a follower of Jesus Christ? Not that you believe in him, but a follower of Jesus. And that means that there's no other way to heaven. We sang about it earlier, that he is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. Do you have a date or a time when you transferred your trust off of you and your good works to God. And if you don't, I wanna offer you today, today is that day for you. And I want you to really bold and really joyfully, if that's you today and you're saying, this is the first time I'm doing it, or maybe you haven't been living it, but you're coming back home, would you do me a favor right now? Just lift up your hand real high to heaven right now. If that's you today and you wanna begin that relationship, you want to, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm gonna come back home. Anybody here today, anybody today, Jesus, the forgiver of your past and leader to your future. Hallelujah. Okay, then I want you to join with me if you're standing. How about next week we go get, we bring some people that needs to meet Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, come on. Let's all just right now begin to pray and ask God for this. Come on, come on. Let's just ask God for a generation, for a culture, for a society. Come on, God, I just pray, Lord, that, that Bridge City Church would be a harvesting church. I pray, God, that Bridge City Church would be a place that you're happy to put your name on, God. God, I pray that next week there's gonna be many, many people that will become followers of you through repentance and by your love. And help us, God, figure out what you really did say. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it out.